There it goes. All right, welcome back to another Wisco Fanatics Wednesday. I'm going to kick the show off today by giving a – I want to give a celebration of life to my grandmother, Lily, who passed away this morning. Um, she's the one who my oldest daughter is named after. She was, like, the kindest person that I ever knew in my entire life. Um, and she's definitely been a, a force for positivity in the world, especially in my life. And um, she's definitely – an inspiration for the way that Jake and I are doing this show where we're trying to help our, our fan bases be more positive and optimistic. So, um, yeah, that's obviously never easy to, to lose somebody's, you know, somebody important, but, um, you know, my grandma was definitely a, a big influence on my life and, you know, she's definitely a, an inspiration for me going forward. So, um, that being said, Jake and I are going to start with the Badgers today. Um, double Badgers. We're going to go Badger football, then Badger basketball, and then Bucks basketball. Um, so let's go to Badger football first. Let's start with the offense against Maryland. All right. Um, first of all, really sorry for your loss, buddy. I really am, truly. Um, you know I love you and uh, hope your family is doing well today. Um so we're going to start with uh, Badgers offense versus Maryland's defense, which, you know, going into this game, we weren't really scared of Maryland's defense. We were more scared of Maryland's offense, you know, rightfully so. Um, Wisconsin, I was actually pretty shocked that they kept the play calling as even as they did. I was very pleased by it, but the number of pass attempts I was not expecting, you know, with the weather, everything that was, that was happening. Um, but they ended up, with 355 yards, 77 passing. Um, the crazy thing is, uh, foreshadowing here, both teams had 77 total yards passing, which is crazy. Um, and then was we, so sloppy, so sloppy. It the was made this game like impossible to pass. Like it did. I think was I think Graham Mertz started like three for ten, and I think Maryland started like four for twelve or something like that on passes. It was sloppy. I will say, and. You know, stop me if I'm sounding like a homer. I do think that the Badgers actually called good plays, you know, to gain mm -hmm. yards through the air. I think they called Are the you? correct plays. There was a couple. There was one early. I know you remember it. It's not really on Mertz. It's not really on DK. It's just kind of what happened with the weather, like you talked about being sloppy. Could have been an easy first down. I believe it was the first drive, actually. Um, yeah. Maybe the second drive. But, um, I mean, we only ended up with 77 passing yards. But – like I said, they called a good game and kept it even, made Maryland guess. Uh, we actually lost time of possession in this game, which is crazy for a Wisconsin team that rushed for 278 yards. When you factor in that one of them was a gigantic run by Isaac Garendo, yeah. that helps. Yep. <laughs> yeah, that'll it, make a scoring drive go quick. Yeah, and it takes away from the time of possession. But uh, 5 of 16 on third down, again, I feel like they called a good game. I'm actually – I've been impressed with Bobby Ingram the last couple of weeks. I think he's I he's coming into his own as a play agree. caller. Um, so that being said, I mean, Maryland had five tackles for loss, three sacks, and four passes defense. So, all right. That's an all right game. I expect I expect some defensive stats, you know, with, with the weather. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, offensively, I mean, it really was all about the running game, especially when you factor in the, the weather. Um mm -hmm. I really like the fact that they still 
did well to get the ball into the receiver's hands. So whether it be getting the ball to Kim Ray DK on third down, um, who's apparently one of the best, if not actually, he's the best third down wide receiver in the entire country, which is something surprising that I was um, yeah. surprised to learn. Um, mm-hmm. Jake and I have talked about it. It's really hard to find college football statistics online. So it's nice that they flash that graphic during the game for us. Um, and then on the subject of getting the ball to playmakers on the wide receiver front, using Skylar Bell on end of rounds was a very yeah. fruitful option. And seeing seeing big Jack Nelson get out in front of Skylar Bell to mm-hmm. uh, to block for him was fantastic. And then speaking of blocking, you get the Isaac Garendo long touchdown. And you see as Garendo is coming around, um, Isaac Garendo is coming around. And then you just see Kim Ray DK just come flying past him to go block a DB for him for 15 yards until Garendo can run past him. And then a good job of Garendo to stay in bounds. Um, Matt said it was probably the most exciting and fun game of the football season for me so far. Um, I think the Michigan State Wisconsin game was really good. That was even yeah, though was we lost, game. right? That was a great game. That's fair. I liked the Purdue game. Purdue that game was been, good as well. Yeah. Outside, yeah. outside of the really shitty touchdown that shouldn't have been a touchdown, but yeah. Um. Is there anything else you want to say about the offense? No, I think uh, – I don't want to say it, but I'm going to say it since I already started my sentence. I think building on the rest of this season, because we were talking about it and Mike got me thinking, I think building on the rest of this season is really going to set us up for for next year and beyond. Um, yep, It's just going to be building blocks. I love the mental toughness of this team. Mm. I mean, four losses. They could have just mailed it in, right? Been oh, yeah. like, whatever. It's a shitty season. We're going to mail it in. No, this the mental toughness of this team. The kids are hungry. They want to win. I absolutely love that. So, for me, that's that's just what I noticed. On the offensive side of the ball especially, you know, Mertz has been getting shit on for years now. And a lot of it is uncalled for. And sometimes it is called for. Sometimes he makes bad decisions. And it's like, okay, he's a kid. Let it go. It is what it is. Um, the offensive line struggled at times this year. Um, wide receivers struggled in a couple of games. Uh, we were down to like our third or fourth tight end at this point. I mean, we're shuffling all linemen. I mean, the mental toughness of this team is it's everything for me. I like that. And as far as the Badgers offense goes, uh, what's up, James? Um, Matt said losing limits the amount of fun for me. I get it. It's still good to appreciate a good football game, even though you lost, but that's one where like the Badgers lost and it's like, okay, that's a bummer. Um, the Badgers lost, but you know, it's still a good football game. So it's like, I wasn't mad that the Badgers lost because it was a good game. Um, that being said on the offense, the Badgers have a new quarterback recruit. Um, I haven't watched a ton of film on him yet. That's going to be one of, one of my off season um, tasks to accomplish is going to be to, to find as much film on him as I can. Um, the Badgers are the Badgers. After Saturday. Eligible. Yeah. They need one more win. After Saturday. <laughs> yes. I, yeah, I strongly expect they'll be bowl eligible after Saturday. Yes, sir. Um, seeing people on Twitter saying that the Badgers, um, the new recruit is already better than what we have. It's like, no, no, it's not. Graham Mertz has actually been pretty good this season outside of a few isolated incidents. He was pretty good in high school too. So put their high school tapes up next to each other. Graham Mertz was pretty fucking good. (laughs) Um, like I, like we've said a bunch of times, we've been pretty pleased with Graham Mertz overall this season. Mm-hmm. Um, 
outside of, like you said, like a couple bad decisions and some bad offensive line play, because that's that correlates the most with with his performance. So, mm-hmm. all right, let's switch to the defensive side of the ball. Well, the weather, you know, I talked about how the Badgers had 355 total yards. We held them to 189. They didn't even get the 200 total yards. Again, they had 77 pass yards just like us, but they only had 112 rush yards. Um, yeah, that was that was impressive for me. Um, and then we held them to 5 of 17 on third down. Uh, we ended up getting five sacks, seven tackles for loss, and four passes defense. So I'll just say this. The DBs impressed me, and Nick Herbig impressed me. Nick um, Herbig, is he's going to be part of a, a later – yeah, Nick, Nick Herbig was the man on Saturday. He showed I up. A, at, after I just talked all that shit about no outside linebacker presence, then all of a sudden he's just like, ha, 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 but I'm still here. Yeah. <laughs> you talk, talk shit about my, my boy T. Wizzle, and then he pulls out a left-handed <laughs> bank shot. I should have known. And it was just because he did he did that stupid move on the on the the Euro step, and I was like, bro, if you just finish with the left, you that's that's a layup all day. Like he could get that all day with the left, and all of a sudden he goes to the post up left. I'm like, this son of a bitch. You gotta you gotta write this down right next to Matt's uh, Javon Carter six man of the year. Um, <laughs> I'll just write it right here. In this <laughs> I'm all for it. I mean, I'm all for it. You see, he came up her big. Oh man. All right, Matt. Go back to the office. <laughs> go back. You're, do- you're done for the day. <laughs> That's not as good of a nickname as Bobby Bordis. No, no. It's pretty good though. I won't lie. That was that was solid. That was solid. Not bad. He'll, like I said, he'll come up in a another segment in a little bit. Uh, Hunter Wohler, welcome back. Welcome back, Wohler. Gets an interception in his first game back. All three of the safeties, um, very influential in this game. Um, Nick Herbig is definitely healthy. Um, Kamoe Latu forced a fumble. Maryland did recover it, but you know, I really couldn't say anything bad about the Badgers defense outside of one or two big plays. And even that you're not going to contain an offense for literally 60 minutes of football. Um, you can say that you expect to, but somebody's going to hit a big play at some point. That said, I mean, what what can you say bad about the offense? I mean, Maryland didn't even score until seven and a half minutes through the third quarter. And the only touchdown they scored came in the last two minutes. The after defense, the game was well out of reach. Yeah, the defense did a really good job getting constant pressure on Tagovailoa, um, making them uncomfortable. Uh, the corners looked really, really good. Um, now that we're finally fully healthy, I'll say, yeah. at the cornerback position, that makes a difference. Yeah. And the safeties – I don't know what to say. What else to say about the safety? We let's, have three good safeties. <laughs> yeah, let's jump into three stars because I got some things I want to say about some of the guys that we're talking about on defense. Um, okay. Bill said the entire defense played all four quarters with a lot of energy. That hasn't happened too often. I said this to Jake and Mike in our chat after the game. I'm like, imagine if this defense had showed up against Michigan State. Man, obviously we didn't have all the players, but I mean, that makes that game a lot more interesting. So. Yes. Give me your give me your three stars from this game, and then I'm going to give three as well, and I have some stuff I want to throw out there about some of them. All right, I cheated. I, cu- I couldn't pick. I was very indecisive this week. So uh, for third, I have two position groups. One, I have the offensive line. Um, I feel like we finally found the combo that works well. 
Um, they were getting great push on the running game, and I thought they they actually blocked pretty well for for Mertz in the passing game. Um, you know, s- s- stuff happens. I know they had three sacks, but I mean, stuff stuff happens in, in that weather. Real quick on your point about blocking for Mertz, I want to give Graham Mertz credit for stepping up in the pocket a lot. Yeah, uh, yeah he did he get did. sacked a couple of times, but he stepped up at the right times. And when we're talking about Graham Mertz and the things that we want to see him continue improving on, and a lot of it is mental, mm-hmm. understanding pocket presence and understanding when to step up in the pocket, that's a big thing for him. So I wanted to give him credit for that. And while we're giving credit to him, I don't ever want to say anything bad about his toughness because that son of a bitch is tough. He takes a lot of licks. Um, then to tie in with my third star, I, I did the DBs. I think they did a phenomenal job. I love all of our safeties. Um, I'm taking Latu is probably my favorite player in the defense this year. Well, I mean, Wollers, Wollers, obviously Woller. Um, I'll, I'll say this. <clears throat> so Tagovailoa was held at 10 for 23, 77 yards, touchdown and an interception, 3.3 yard average. So you take away oh, – God damn it. What is their starting running back's name again, that freshman? I forgot MB. his name. Yeah. So you take away his stats – they had 20 in the rushing game. They they held the others that rushed the ball from Maryland 20 attempts for 54 yards. That's a 2.7 average. Yeah, that's less than three. That's pretty, pretty solid. You you add those two things in. I mean, running back, they got a special guy there. He's young. So I think that's that's a good look for the defense. Mm-hmm. My second star is the running back group, the duo, Braylon Allen, Isaac Garendo. Can't say enough about them. I've been raving about them for weeks. Tyler's been raving about Garendo for longer than I have. Um, he obviously had the third longest touchdown that we posted on the page of the season yep. for the Badgers. Uh, Braylon Allen just, just carves out yards. That guy is just three, four, five, nine yards in the fourth quarter waiting to happen. They both had touchdowns in this game. Um, Braylon Allen looked so cool scoring that touchdown with no gloves on. I was like, throwback, bro. Throwback, dude. He looked like a bad motherfucker. Um, my number one star is Jim Leonard. Three mm. and one since Jimmy took over. Um, he has Wisconsin playing Wisconsin football. Uh, I want to give him credit for getting all three safeties on the field at one time. Uh, yes. a couple times during that game. That was that was impressive for him to be able to do that. But this is Jim's job. Yeah, you did call that. Um, this is Jim's job to lose. Uh, I, I really firmly believe that they're keeping the interim tag on him because the team's playing so good, kind of like a, a mojo kind of deal. But mm-hmm. um, I think Jimmy's doing a fantastic job. And if they don't give him the job, he's going to get a job somewhere else. Nah, he ain't leaving. He's about no. to get paid by the Badgers. <laughs> yeah, I think – I don't even think it's his job to lose, quote-unquote. I think it's his job to decline. And yeah, I think it's pretty – pretty much set that Jim Leonard owns the job and yep. that he's going to accept it as soon as they like formally offer it to him. Um, that said, I think after they, after they do formally offer him the job, which may be after the season is over, um, <clears throat> that then they'll involve Jim Leonard uh, in picking a new defensive coordinator for the Badgers. Um, for me, three stars, um, I have Kimmeray DK on my list because he's the number one third down tight or third down wide receiver in college football. Badgers had a third and 16 play. Graham Mertz got flushed out to the left. 
Kimberly DK is one yard beyond the sticks, makes the catch to move the ball. Mm-hmm. Next, I have CJ Getz. I brought him up last week um, for for beginning to steadily improve at diagnosing plays. Mm-hmm. This game, he was doing well at flushing Tago Viola and keeping him behind the line of scrimmage and then letting the linebackers come and rally to the ball. He also had a sack in this game and a one and a half tackles for loss. So having CJ Getz developing as another player on the defensive line next to Keanu Benton and then Isaiah Mullins is getting healthy. The Badgers, like you said, are about the healthiest they've been all season. And then the last one I have is Nick Herbig. Um, Nick Herbig had a 4-3-2-1 game. So four tackles, three tackles for loss, two sacks, one pass defense, four three two one for Nick Herbig with my last star. I like it. That was beautiful. That was beautifully done. Good job, buddy. <laughs> All right. So let's switch to Iowa. All right. And let's talk about the Badgers offense against Iowa's defense. And let's get them bowl eligible. So, so I was looking this game up. I'm doing my research, right? Badgers are favored by one and a half. This game is in Iowa City. Um, it's at 2.30 on Saturday on FS1 for everybody that wants to watch the game. The over-under for this game is 35, dude. Oof. That's low as hell. That's crazy. But then yeah. you look at Iowa's schedule and you're like, man, they won a game against – or they lost the game against Illinois 9-6. to God, that would have been nice for Iowa to win that game. I'll say that. Um Going into this game, Braylon Allen needs 11 yards for back-to-back 1,000-yard seasons. So watch for that. Probably get that on the first play because that's what Braylon Allen does. So when we talk about Iowa, their defense is impressive. It's very, very good. But their offense is equally as bad. So this will be definitely an interesting matchup. Iowa is definitely a defensive team. Oh, yeah. Um, so Badgers average 386 total yards, 202 passing, 183 rush, and 30 points per game. Iowa's defense only gives up 264, 171, 92 rush yards, and 14 points per game. So to me, that tells me we're going to be able to pass the ball probably around our average and strength for strength in the running game. And, you know, when I get into my matchups, I'll have some beautiful stuff. I work work hard on my matchups now because you – you always with that sneaky good stuff, and I'm like, I'm not, I'm not getting outshined every week. <laughs> um, but when I get into that, I'll have a good reason why I think our power will win against their power. Overall, I was just a very fundamentally sound team. Um, they're they're like Wisconsin in the way that they put a lot of people in the league that people don't even realize that I was mm-hmm. putting a ton of people in the league, and you know they put a lot of linebackers, offensive linemen, defensive linemen. We're corn fed. We got big, strong boys out here. So it's definitely going to be power versus power. And Iowa is a tough place to play. Mm-hmm. So this, this isn't not going to be easy by any measure. So that that's where I'm going to leave it. And I'm going to pass it on to you. All right. So you brought up all the totals. I'm looking at the averages per play. So I'm okay. looking at yards per carry. Iowa allows 2.8 yards per carry. The Badgers are allowing for our rushing four, 4.7 yards per carry. So it'll be interesting to see where that dynamic shakes out between Badgers offense and Iowa's defense. Mm-hmm. Um, and then yards per pass. Uh, Iowa is number one in the country in yards per pass at 5.3 yards. Uh, the Badgers are averaging 8.1 yards per pass. Um, so it'll be 
important for the Badgers to um, to use the deep ball, in my mm-hmm. opinion, because mm-hmm. I saw this asked in a few groups last week uh, why the Badgers are still throwing the deep ball. What's wrong with Graham Mertz's deep ball? We brought up the weather already, but it's not necessarily about connecting on the deep ball. It's about making Maryland and this week Iowa aware that the Badgers are going to throw the deep ball. Whether they connect on it or not isn't really that important. Obviously, you want to connect on it to to get some big plays. But the Badgers are going to continue throwing it so that the team that they're going against is thinking about it, and that's one or two steps back they have to take, which then helps the running game. It allows the offense to play downhill and the defense to be on their heels, at least in the secondary. Because you saw Maryland on Saturday, they didn't throw the ball deep at all. And yeah. Badgers defense played downhill the entire game. Yeah. It's not a coincidence. Mm-hmm. If a team's not going to at least try to try to beat you deep, why cover deep? Especially when the Badgers have good safeties, which, Matt, to the point of the Packers being able to borrow some safeties, they did actually sign one today. Um, they claimed um, Jonathan Abram off of the, the waivers. But, you know, like Jake said, the secondary played well, and the deep ball will be important. Um, Iowa is not a heavily penalized team like Maryland is. Um, but then again, Michigan state wasn't a heavily penalized team and they ended up having a shit ton of penalties. So what do I know? All I do is <laughs> that. <laughs> let's go to the defensive side of the ball for the best. So <laughs> like I said before, as good as Iowa's defense is, their offense is ugly. It's they very- actually average less yards than they give up, which, in my mind, is a little impressive. <laughs> they give up 264 total on defense. They only gained 262. That's crazy to me. Um, they only average 159 pass yards, 103 rush yards, and only 17 points per game. This is uh, this is going to be a grind. This is going to be a grinded out game. Uh, if our defense shows up like they did last week, I could see a blowout. I won't lie to you. Just because. I- Iowa does not have the the tools to 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 keep up in a shootout. I agree. I mean, you saw you saw it in uh, their quarterback uh, Spencer. Oh God, Petrus. 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 Uh, he actually played pretty good against uh, Michigan earlier in the season, and they still got blown out. Uh, you look at their game against Ohio State. Now, I understand we're not on that level, but I'm just pointing out in shootouts where they have to score a lot of points. Mm-hmm. They, they just don't have the tools. Um, he did not play good against Ohio State, by the way. Uh, but he did play really uh, a pretty decent game against Michigan. So even if he plays good, they don't score that many points. Um, the Badgers give up 212 pass yards, 113 rush, and 20 points per game. Um, those numbers are a little ballooned, in my opinion, from a few games. But I feel like they're starting to really hit their groove. Um, I think that <laughs> Jim Leonard is getting really, really comfortable in his position of head coach and DC at the same time where he's just, he just feel, it just feels like he's hitting all the right buttons. So that's why I feel so good talking about this Badgers defense. And to your point with players developing and, you know, the, the cornerbacks being healthy and the safeties flying around everywhere, even the middle linebackers are developing even better now. In, in Jogmeta, Turner, I mean, all those guys are. Yeah, Cheney, Jake Cheney, those, those guys are all developing right in front of our eyes, becoming really, really good football players. Yep. And that's what makes me really, really excited for next year. But this year still, watching them grow into really, really good football players, setting us up, it's just... And and having fun while doing it, too, is, is very cool. 
Um, seeing them all excited and hyped after winning games and seeing them having fun for Jim Leonard. It's, it's really (laughs) encouraging. Um, You know, you brought up again, a lot of the totals. Iowa is 111th in points per game in college football. Pretty, that's pretty bad. (laughs) They, They are 118th in yards per play. They average 4.4 yards per play. That is also pretty Badgers bad. hold their opponents to 4.9 yards per play. Yeah. Um, Bernard, we'll talk about the Packers on Friday night more. And Bernard, um, hate is a very strong word. Yeah. Um, and then yards per game. Iowa is 126. Holy shit. They are horrible on offense. Wow. Yeah. Very good on defense. Very bad on offense. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's it's rough for Iowa. We'll see. We'll see what your score predictions are. I'm interested to get into that. But give me your give me your matchup you're watching on the Badgers' defense against Iowa's offense. All right. So my matchup on defense is uh, Spencer Petrus versus the Wisconsin DBs. Uh, we lead the nation, uh-huh. tied with Illinois. Uh, for the lead in interceptions with 15. Uh, Petrus has five touchdowns and five interceptions on the year. He hasn't had an interception the last two games uh, versus Northwestern and Purdue. So take that for what you will. He's due. That is my opinion. He's due for a couple interceptions. I feel like the Badgers are going to score early, forcing them to throw the ball because they're not just going to want to gain two yards every running play. So that's, that's just how I feel. I have I have Spencer Petrus on my list as well for matchups. Mm-hmm. Um, appreciate it, Bernard. Um, what's up, Dan? I I have Petrus on my list as well, but I'm watching Petrus versus Nick Herbig. Spencer Ooh. Petrus has been sacked 24 times this year. I'm looking Oof. for Nick Herbig to add two or three to that. I'm cool with that. <laughs> All right. Uh, hey, maybe he could quarterback pressure him into an interception. Um, Give me your we'll, matchup for the Badgers on offense. And then we'll both be right. Um, exactly. So here's my matchup I'm really looking for. This is going to be a fun one. Uh, Braylon Allen versus Jack Campbell. Okay. Uh, Jack Campbell is the man on the Iowa defense. He leads them with 86 tackles, 34 solo, 52 assists, and one interception. He is 6'5", 246. Braylon Allen is 6'2", 235. That is Damn, too shy. Two gigantic humans. Oh, I think Jack Ham was getting drafted. Last oh, year, did, yeah. last year his, his his stats were 140 tackles, 57 total, 83 assists, two interceptions, and a pick six. Yeah, he's he's a good Damn. player. That's a good player. Too. Wow. He's he's a good player. 6'5, 250, and he's he runs all over the field, but Braylon Allen versus Jack Campbell is gonna be a lot of collisions, man. I went I'm excited. I for went that. a little I went a little general with the matchup for me. Um, I am watching Isaac Garendo because okay. not only is he um, dynamic in the um, in the running game, uh, he gets mixed in in the passing game. He's actually a really good return man as well. Yes, yes. Um, he had one 32-yard return in this game. But for me, I'm looking – I'm watching for Isaac Garendo to hit a home run. So yep. – like to your point about your matchup, is it wear him down, wear him down, wear him down, and then Isaac Arendo, bam, and and look for that home run hit because that might be the way the Badgers have to beat Iowa's defense. It might have to be by you know connecting on just a couple big plays that end up making the game. Yeah. Um, 
So looking for that on the defensive side, if the Badgers wear them down for three quarters and we're looking at, say, like a a seven to three game going into the fourth quarter and then all of a sudden the Badgers bust off an 80 yard touchdown and widen the gap a little bit. That's totally something I see in the realm of possibility. So um, give me your, give me your X factor and your key to victory. Well, my X factor is going to stay Braylon Allen. Um, I am, I mean, when we get the score predictions, you'll see why, but I'm really predicting a close game and I think he's going to have to get a lot of tough yards um, earn, earn a lot of first downs, earn a lot of two-yard gains, three-yard gains, four-yard gains, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but he could do it um, against conference. So total, I told you he's 11 yards away from 1,000 yards, correct? So on the season, he has 657 yards and five touchdowns in the conference. So he's earning the tough yards. And people want to overlook that because of our record. But Braylon Allen's still having a very, very productive season. And I don't think we've given it enough love, honestly. I think we kind of just expect it. You know what I mean? And that's not he's really another fair. guy. He's another guy that deserves credit for his toughness as well. He's been yeah. banged up in a couple games and has hung around and stayed in the games and, and come back from being hobbled a little bit. And I'm not disrespecting any conference. Obviously, I'm a, I'm a homer to to Big Ten football, but it's it's tough out there, man. I mean, you got linebackers running around 6'5", 250, just smashing you for 60 minutes, man. I mean, that's – that's tough. <laughs> and I don't care if you're 6'2", 240, and you could take it. I mean, getting hit when you're getting you're getting handed the ball. Uh, how many times have? a game? Yeah, you're, you're touching the ball 25 to 30 times a game. You're just getting hit on your legs. Boom, boom, boom. That takes a toll on you. So, you know, like you said, his toughness. But I expect him to have a good game, and we're going to get on his back, and he's going to carry us to the victory. So I'm gonna stick with I'm gonna stick with Isaac Garendo because I think it's known that Braylon Allen is gonna get those 25 to 30 touches. Mm-hmm. Um, he's gonna be the guy that wears down the defense. He's um, he's gonna have the less glamorous stat line at the end of the game when it comes to this. I think he had uh, I want to say it was like 25 for 119, and then um, 20 Isaac Garendo had 12 for 114. Yep. So. You know, Isaac Grendo's stat line looks a lot sexier because he had the big run, but those those small two, three, four yard runs that you're talking about, those are still very important because it softens up the defense and it gets them like, man, when is this going to end? Like all they just do is keep like running the ball straight at us, um, and that's that's bad for football is to, to wear you down until they can hit the home run. So I'm looking at Isaac Grendo, and then my key to victory is it's on the same vein is to run the ball effectively. So the Badgers' most recent depth chart that came out has no seniors on the starting offense. Mm-hmm. It is all juniors uh, and, and lower. And, you know, I'm looking, like Jake said, to continue building on 2022 and then dominate in 2023. So for me, I'm looking just the key to the offense is to run the ball effectively against a good rushing defense. Yes, sir. <clears throat> You want my key to victory? Yep. Okay. So my key to victory is uh, to force those turnovers, like I was talking about before mm. uh, with uh, with Petrus. I want us to force a couple of turnovers. I think it's going to be tough sledding. Um, I said before, I hope I, I expect Braylon Allen to pick up those tough yards, but uh, an extra possession or two could really make a difference in this game. Yeah, that's that's a good one. All right, give me your score prediction from the head. Seventeen <laughs> thirteen. Ooh, that's close. I went 23-13. 
2313. Okay. All right, um, from the heart. 2713. <clears throat> we get we get a couple big time runs. I I'm close on that one too. I went 28 to 9, no touchdowns. There's three field goals for Iowa. Ooh, I like yours better. <laughs> I don't want to give up any touchdowns. 3-0 I... Badgers. <laughs> he said he said 3-0, is that what he said? He said 3 to 0. 3 to 0? <laughs> if we get a 3-0 game, I'm going to be pissed, bro. Oh, no. 21-18. Just... Okay. 21-18. All right. That's a lot of field goals. Yeah. I'm writing them down. I write all the scores down, man. Badgers are going to be 3 and 0, right, Matt? That's not, that's what that means. 3 to 0. Man, <laughs> a 3 to 0 football game. That sounds ugly, but if all right, let me let me pose this question just because Matt brought this up. Okay. If you had to pick two football teams to play in a game that ends three to zero, who would you pick? Right, Northwestern is one of them because they're horrible. Yep. I was actually really good on defense, so that can like affect uh, field position and stuff. So I don't want to say them. God, who's another horrible team? You you talking like the five major like power conferences, right? Yeah, I'm definitely big in Northwestern. They're awful this year. They're like one and eight or one. They could be the zero. <laughs> they could be the zero. Um, God, I might go with Iowa. Iowa to get the three because their offense is bad. Even against yeah. a bad team. Yeah, they they who would they play week one where their offense didn't even score a point? They play. They, they won like like seven. Duke. They scored like seven points. They had like two safeties and a field goal. Was it Duke? So my dad Ooh. said. Oh, okay. I think your dad. I think your dad's right. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna write that. I'm gonna write down your dad's too. Yeah, my dad said 27 to 10. That's a good score. I would be. Oh, I'd be ecstatic with that score. That I think yeah. we would dominate. Win 23 to 10, and then 27 to 10. 27 to 10 in their house against a really good defense. Touche. And like I said, that's close, I, to my, that's close to my prediction from the heart. I said twenty-eight to nine on my prediction from the heart. So yeah, you, take you a point away from are, Iowa and give it to Wisconsin, and then we got the same one. Your dad and you are in the same wavelength right now. <laughs> that would be all uh, right. Is there anything else? Yeah, it should be a great game for sure. It could end up being a defensive battle. Is okay. there anything else you want to say about Badger football? Nope, I'm ready to talk about Badger basketball now. All right, well, we're going to stick with Wisconsin. And we're going to switch to Badger basketball. We had one game against South Dakota this week. Um, like, it's so early in the season to have a ton to take away yet. Um, mm-hmm. Thankfully, we have three games between now and next Wednesday to to get a little bit bigger of a sample size. Early returns, what did you see from the Badgers basketball team against South Dakota? Did we talk about the recruit? Um we didn't talk about the recruit. We kind of briefly mentioned him. Um, that's mm-hmm. definitely going to be something we do more in the off season when we can watch more tape on him and, and start to see like coaches comments and coordinators comments about him and stuff like that. And, you know, they're excited to get him in and they like what is, mm-hmm. you know, what he brings in the film room or whatever. Um, yeah. We'll, we'll definitely do more of that in the, the Badgers off season. I will say that I loved watching the video of him announcing he was coming to Wisconsin he put the Badgers hat on. He opened his little his little case, and then uh, he was holding up the Wisconsin flag, which is pretty sick. Um, you don't really get to see that very often, so that was like I was like counting my chest, like "Let's go, baby!" Um, yeah, uh, yeah, got, and and we have a freshman shooter. shooter. Yeah, um, Segan is gonna be nice. Yeah, um, him too. Him and Klesman. 
Yeah, Clev's me. I'll say this, and I know it's only one game. I think Guard might be right about him. He definitely has an edge and a toughness to him. You can tell those two things early. Um, Dad, I didn't know. Chucky. I don't know if you watched last week, but I brought up when we talked about Max Klesman about the transfer. Greg mm-hmm. Guard mentioned Brad Davison, Josh Gosser, and Zach Showalter when talking about him. I definitely see a lot of Josh Gosser. I won't lie. Um, he has the ability to drive under control where I don't think that Brad Davison was the best at. I'm not trying yeah. to knock him down because Davison did a lot for our team and was a great leader for us. But Josh Gosser was good at, at driving and finishing. He was always Three under level. control. He he was a baller. You know, when you said Josh Gosser, I was like, oh, I love Josh Gosser. Right. <laughs> I might I might end up loving uh, Clemsmith too. But, yeah, he's he's a shooter. We got a couple shooters. Um, I actually commented on Facebook on the, the the game thread that they posted after, you know, the final score, Badgers win, mm-hmm. one and all. And I said, this team is different. If they can stay consistent behind the arc and play defense, scary good come March. And I stand by that statement, you know. Um, the two things I really took away were Chucky is everything. Uh, the pride of poor Washington. That's right, Danny. Um Chucky is not shying away from the keys of the car, the star, the show, the lead guard. Um, his buzzer beater three, uh, that's that's one of the things I saw. To, get, to take a 10-point lead at the end of the first half was phenomenal. Uh, we were all talking in the in the uh, the Badger chat that we have with Mikey, and he was like, "That that's Nova UNC vibes all day. And I'm just like, you know what? I see it. I mean. We're playing South Dakota in the first game of the year, so <laughs> drastically different scenarios. But I get what you're saying. You're excited. First first game of the year. What up, Taylor? And then my second thing that I really, really liked was the Tyler Wall steal and dunk early in the second yes. half to go up yeah. by 12. That was that was nice. Um, I didn't like that he made me look like an idiot after I said if he finishes with his left hand. <laughs> that was and awesome. Literally immediately after that, just, two like, minutes, two minutes later, he has like, a right shoulder, left-handed bank shot. I'm like, don't talk shit about my boy T Wizzle. <laughs> like, I watched that, and then I immediately went in the chat, and I was like, yeah, that, that's my life. <laughs> that's all I got. <laughs> you should say the Badgers or the 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 Packers never score sixty nine points just so they do it, dude. Dude, if, if they scored 30 points, that would be impressive at this point. Yeah. Um, so for me, some of the things that stood out in the Badger basketball game, you see it was in the second half. Chucky Hepburn, he got a screen, got a center switched on him, did an in and out dribble, and then did like a step back towards the baseline and just straight cash a mid-range jumper over a seven-footer. Yeah, the man is playing with confidence, dude. He's... That was oh, that was so nasty. Mm-hmm. That was – oh, that was – just Chucky Hepburn, the pride of Nebraska. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, so first half, five different players made threes. Could we have said the Batchers made five threes at halftime of some games last year? Not the last Total? game, I'll tell you that. Well, let's have five guys make it the three in the first half. Seven guys total made threes in this game. Um, Stephen Crowell, um, he made me look pretty good on my comparison. I mean, he's he's still got to play a little bit stronger, which was one of the things that I wanted to see from him. Mm-hmm. But, like, he looks to be the number three option for the team um, after Chucky Hepburn and Tyler Wall, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Matt, you got to start saying what's your chest instead of trying to reverse jinx the Packers. Mm-hmm. Um, 
that said, like you said, uh, Max Klesman, not only is he shooting well, he's a three-level scorer in my opinion. He had one really nice drive. Was on the if you're looking at the hoop, it was on the left side of the of the paint. Drove to the basket really well. Um, Badgers were nine of fifteen on threes in the first half. I mean, I didn't remember what the what the exact finish was, but um, one game in to see as many players playing well and to see so many players get in that even uh, Greg Gard's son was in the game. Chris Hodges was Man. playing. Um, everybody was in. Marcus Ilver was in. He hit a three. I mean, everybody played in this game. Um, mm-hmm. Jordan Davis made some nice plays in this game. I mean, he was – I was actually impressed with him, to be honest. He looked more confident. And I like the quote that guard said that he can he can be Jordan Davis now, not Johnny's twin. Yeah. That's very important. He talked about that. I watched the some of the – when they were in France after the game, and he was talking about that. He was like, you know – um, you know, he's like, my brother Johnny got drafted by the Wizards. He's like, now I get to be – he said exactly that. He's like, I get to be Jordan Davis and, you know, kind of do his own thing. So, mm-hmm. you know, we talked about it last week when we did our primer. Um, I believe that Jordan Davis has one of the biggest opportunities being the guy who's coming back to the team to get some of those minutes that are vacated by Brad Davis and, and Johnny Davis. So, yep. that said, um, we're not going to do a power pair for Badger basketball this week because we only have one game. Um, we'll definitely have a power pair next week because we have three Badger games between now and next Wednesday. Um, we got the uh, Brew City battle on Friday against Stanford. They play UWGB next Tuesday, and then they play Wednesday afternoon against Dayton. That is their only ranked matchup of November. So um, three Badger games between now and next Wednesday's show, so we'll have a little bit more to talk about that day. Um, is there anything else you want to say about Badger basketball? No, it's too early for me to say something else. I'll just leave it at that. Yeah. In the next week, we'll get a little bit better of a sense once they play Stanford and Dayton. Yes. All right. Let's switch to Bucks basketball. Stick with basketball and switch to Bucks basketball. Start with the Bucks and Pistons. It's good to see that both Giannis, who was dealing with a knee bruise um, or his knee soreness, mm-hmm. And then Grayson Allen, who had the knee bruise, um, playing in this game. Drew Holiday was sick before this game. He ended up playing just like Brooke Lopez did the Monday night before that. Um, but let's start with the Bucks and Pistons game. Bucks versus Pistons. All right. Well, uh, the Bucks are just better than the Pistons. Uh, this was back-to-back games against the Pistons, so the Bucks had a better feel for their pace and the kind of plays that they like to run. So you could definitely tell the difference. 81-1, Taylor. Let's go, baby. Um, Giannis finished this game with 32-12-4. and uh, Brooke, uh, Brooke Lopez with 11 points, 7 rebounds, and Drew Holiday with 26. That's Dirk Lopez to you. And Marcus Johnson said it during the broadcast, and I'm like, he stole my thing. I call him Dirk Lopez all the time, and he's like, he's doing that Dirk Nowitzki fade. I'm like, damn it, Marcus Johnson. <laughs> no, everybody's going to say it. But you heard it here first. Don't forget. Um, yeah. I've been calling so him two, Dirk Lopez for two years. You have actually, and I can vouch for that. Um, the one thing, the first play I wanted to talk about is Giannis's spin dunk. Not just because mm-hmm. it was impressive, but because it, it flexed his basketball IQ, which not enough people talk about with Giannis. So yep. the Pistons on this play are playing zone. So what do you do with the zone? You attack the middle, right? So Giannis comes from the right wing, flashes middle. He knows he has one guy on him. 
spins opposite side over his left shoulder in this case and just throws down a hammer because he knows the guy that's behind him is not big enough or strong enough to stop him. So I wanted I wanted to flex my knowledge about Giannis flexing his knowledge. Um, I thought that was that was an impressive play, and people need to start talking about this man's basketball IQ and not just as his athleticism, mm-hmm. because right now they're meeting each other, and this is that's why he is so good. Um, the second play I want to talk about is the Drew Holiday buzzer three to cap the first half. I believe this was the play where they captured all the momentum, they kept all the momentum, and they basically said. Yeah, you're losing tonight, so we're gonna play. We're gonna play a second half, but it ain't gonna matter. <laughs> uh, also, it was a dirty ass play. Again, he was on the left baseline, just pulls up. He is such a good wing shooter, in my opinion. He's better on the wings that than, back than is up top. So disgusting, bro. He can just get it whenever he wants and close. You know, he he can get it when a guy's close to him, far away. I think Drew's been a very good shooter this year. It contested. I mean, he's had a couple in the corners uh, in a number of games. He had one where he pump faked uh, last week or two weeks ago where he pump faked, the guy closed out, he still pulled up. He had one in the Timberwolves game, which we're going to talk about next, where the guy closed out so good, he still just pulled – I believe it was Anthony Edwards, actually. And he pulls up, and he just splashes it. I'm like, this dude is disgusting. (laughs) And he might – if you know, because you know Chris is going to come back, and if Chris starts lightening up right before the All-Star break, but – he might make it one of my predictions true of the three all-stars because you know Giannis he's, is in. He's on the pace for it. He is um, on the pace for it. <laughs> I, I got to share this stat about Drew Holiday because I wrote studs and duds for the first 10 games of the season. Yeah. Drew Holiday is holding opponents to 30% from three. 30%. And he's played against Trey Young, D'Angelo Russell, Shai Gilgis-Alexander, Kyrie Irving, James Harden, Tyrese Max, like he's gone against all those dudes. Um, Tim Durant. Opponents are shooting 30% against Drew Holiday on threes. Wow. That's impressive. That is – there's a reason the guy made four NBA All-Star teams, I'll say that, or yeah. defensive teams. Yeah. So let's go Let's go with the Pistons game. 11 of the Bucks' 13 points to start the game were second-chance points. That's insane to come out cold, but to still be scoring because you're getting second chance points. Um, Drew is definitely underrated. Um, Matt, I don't know if you read my article or not, but I put Brooke Lopez could get some some all star nods because of the way that he's playing. Um, See, when we get into when we get into some stuff later, I'm going to mention Brooke Lopez, and I'm going to mention a stat of his that it's just absolutely nasty. Um, but Giannis had five offensive rebounds in the first quarter, 15 points in the first quarter. Um, mm-hmm. Ball movement and defense was really the name of the game in the first half and actually even into the third quarter. I think ball movement is what won the third quarter for the Bucs. Um, the Bucks in the first half alone, 12 steals. Wow. 22 second chance points just in the first half. That's a Wow. Uh, so third quarter the bucks made 10 field goals assisted on six of them so that's why i say the 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 third quarter was won by ball movement um Giannis tied his career high with six straight 30 point games he didn't make it to seven when we talk about the timberwolves game but um i want to give some credit to grayson allen because he hasn't scored a ton Mm -hmm. but he's 
he's like the fourth or fifth option on the team. Uh, and he's playing with a lot of pace. So he helps the team in that aspect because he pushes the ball in transition and he drives to the basket a lot in the half court. Those things, they open up the offense, especially when it's coming from a guy that you're basically just trying to keep an eye on on the three-point line mm-hmm. when you're trying to focus on Drew Holiday and Giannis and Brooke and Bobby. And then you have Grayson Allen, who's not only going to catch the ball and shoot, but is also a threat to drive to the lane. Um, yeah. So I want to give him some credit for that. Um, he cut to the basket, and he got a monster dunk in this game. Um, and then Drew Holiday was hot in the fourth quarter. I mean, I don't have anything bad to say about this game. Obviously, the Pistons are a young team, so like I don't want to put uh, too much stock into it. But um, have a good night, Tim. Um, let's talk about the Timberwolves game, because I think this is kind of a signature win to start the season because the Timberwolves, they have a lot of big names on their roster. When you talk to Angela Russell and Anthony Edwards and Carl Anthony Towns and Rudy Gobert, that's a team full of a lot of names. Um, mm-hmm. So this was a game where I thought the, the Bucks could get kind of tripped up and they didn't. So let's talk about the Bucks and Timberwolves. Bucks and Timberwolves. Well, <laughs> I remember I said this to you the other day. It's not happening, but it's okay. They went 17 of 38 behind the three-point line, and I really wanted to play Fetty Wap. <laughs> you remember me saying that too? <laughs> I, I, like, I forgot about 38. that. I didn't have it ready for you. <laughs> it's all good. I had it written down. I was like, they were Fetty Wap behind the three-point line this game, so that's a good thing. They can go Fetty Wap behind the three-point line. They'll win a lot of goddamn games. They oh, might yeah. win 81, honestly. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised. Because, <laughs> um, you know, Giannis had a triple-double. He didn't get to the 30. 30-point streak, but 26 he points, made his damn free throws. I know. Jesus. God. It's just like every once in a while he has a game where he just reminds us that he's 50%. human. Yeah, he's he's human, you know? He does inhuman things all the time, dunking on people four or five people at a time, the left hand spinning and off his <clears> pinky <throat> toe. It's just like, I don't understand how you did that. And then he misses a bunch of free throws. So, it yeah. is what it is. Um. 29 assists in this game, by the way. I wanted I wanted to talk about that because that's very important, very good ball movement. Um, there's a couple plays that I wanted to, to really point out here. Um, the Timberwolves were on a 10-0 run uh, to cut the lead to 12 in the, the third quarter, and Bobby Portis hit a 3 Bobby Portis. Massive, massive three-pointer that really took control of this game. Uh, it's a game of runs, and how – a couple of years ago, Pat Connaughton actually had a great quote the championship year where he talked about it's a game of runs and it's how you respond to those runs that makes a championship team. And Bobby is a tough guy. And it's crazy to, to see how good he's really gotten since he's got on the Bucks. I mean, he was a good player when we first got him, but he is absolutely phenomenal now. He does everything. He posts up. Um, he's really good at the pump and drives now. I wanted to give credit to him for that. Um, he's good at the floaters. He gets offensive rebounds. He does it all. And now he's playing defense. So he's he's doing literally everything. Uh, that three-pointer was massive. He also hit another uh, post-fade in the fourth quarter that I was just – Over Carl Anthony Towns. Yeah, that made me go like, oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> um, Bobby's not there to anybody. <laughs> no, he don't give a shit. Um, I had two plays written up for play two. I'm going to make one honorable mention. But the first play I'm going to talk about is where Brooke Lopez walks into a three-pointer 
And the literal next possession to respond to that, Gobert shoots an air ball. Yeah, that's right. Yep. And when you're watching on TV, you could feel the energy in the stadium kind of deflate after that play. Because I remember texting you and being like, imagine being a Wolves fan right now. And our three just splashed a three in your center's face. Then your center comes out and airballs it. Like not even close. Like he, I don't even think he hit net. Um. Also, since Bill, yeah, Bill talked about it, the Bobby chants on the road are underrated. That's awesome. That is underrated. Um, my honorable mention play is going to be Marjan because I wanted to give him some love. Him drawing a charge and not being scared of Carl Anthony Towns, yep. who's a very skilled big man, I thought was like indicative of this kid's heart and hustle. So him doing that is just awesome. He got rewarded, so we'll talk about that later. But yep. Marjan was great. Yeah. Uh, Matt, have a good night. Yes, we're definitely hoping the Bucks can get a win tonight, um, even with Drew and Giannis out. Um, I'm just glad to see that, yeah, that Drew checked back into that game after twisting his ankle. Mm-hmm. Um, that was encouraging. And then Giannis dealing with some knee soreness early in the season. Um, pretty much just precautionary. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, I want to give credit to I want to give credit to first Javon Carter for yeah. when guys bring the ball down, he's got such awareness to smack the ball out of guys' hands. It's really underrated skill to have is and that's why they coach big men to keep the ball high is so that guys can't slap the ball out of your hands. Javon Carter is really good at that. Mm-hmm. If a guy brings the ball down near his waist, Javon Carter's taking it from you. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to bring that up. Um, this is definitely um, um, the Marjan game. Uh, he's been consistently getting some second-chance minutes. Uh, he'll learn you can't go under screens in the NBA. Um, he did it a couple times, but, you know, that's that's something he'll learn. Um, he finished with 14 points and five rebounds. Jake brought up the offensive foul that he drew on Carl Anthony Towns. Mm-hmm. Um, Giannis didn't get his 30 points, but he did get a triple-double. He had 11 assists, so Jake brought up 29 assists. 11 of them were by Giannis. Five of 11 of Giannis's assists went to Marjan Bochamp. Dude, the one at the end of the game where he threw it to him and he dunked it, I was like, oof, that's our future right there. <laughs> In a few years when Marjan's taking over the league. You, Dude, yeah, all... I mean, if two, three years from now, we're looking, for, we're looking at a lineup of Giannis and Marjan and Bobby Portis. Like, we're all going to realize. We're going to be open for a while. We should have listened to Drew Holiday before the season. <laughs> um, so, you know, this game was a lot about Drew Holiday and Bobby Portis and Giannis. Um, but Brooke Lopez, Grayson Allen, and Javon Carter were a combined six for ten on threes. Pretty damn good, so, if you ask me. <laughs> that's, that's important there. Um, let's see. Oh. D'Angelo Russell. So I brought this up about Drew Holiday's three-point defense. D'Angelo Russell was three for 15 on field goals in this game. Okay. Yeah. I will take that all day. Um, And then Bobby Portis, the momentum killer. 12 missed free throws in this game. 10 of them by Giannis. Only 12 points off turnovers and only nine second chance points for... Minnesota, it's a total of 33 fundamental failure points. That's right on the average. So mm-hmm. not an overly sloppy game, but not a flawless game fundamentally. But um, just a good win, especially to get on the road and then to you know get to a point where you got the opposing 
crowd booing the team and then chanting for our team <laughs> is is good. I mean, the Minnesota games, you're going to have some people that are on the western side of Wisconsin, like Chris, who, who watches our shows sometimes. Um, he's on the western side of Wisconsin, so he's kind of like right on that Minnesota border. So, mm. you know, for them to go see a, a Bucks basketball game, it's easier to go see in the Minnesota. So Bucks fans definitely representing in Minnesota. Let's go to Saturday night's game, the second of a back-to-back, and I think that's the reason Giannis sat that game out. Um, Bucks mm-hmm. and Thunder, let's talk about that game. Bucks, Thunder. So this was actually a, uh, a very good game. I want to point out um, Drew Holiday's defense is absolutely spectacular. If you haven't heard it enough, we got to talk about it more. Um, yeah. They held uh, Shea Gilgis Alexander, who was leading the league in points per game at that point, 18 points. Um, I believe this game. Um, he was seven of 16, 18 points, one rebound, three assists. So that guy, that guy's electric. Okay. He was averaging um, 32 coming in. Yeah. So let's let's not discredit how we held him to one rebound and three assists as well, because he definitely can control a game in a lot of different ways. Um, scoring the ball is just one of them. So in this game, Brooke Lopez was absolutely phenomenal. Uh 25 points, three rebounds. Uh <laughs> Drew Holiday, 10.6 rebounds, 13 assists. I mean, what more can we say about him? And then Tyler's great nickname kind of started in this game, if you really think about it. But Bobby Bordis, uh, 12 points, 20 from the guy. Um, 19 offense for Grayson. So that was phenomenal to see. Uh, 55 reasons, folks. Uh, that's, that's crazy. So here's the two plays I wanted to talk about when we're talking about this game. The Bucs started this game with Brooke Lopez. They go down on defense to get Brooke a three or a, a layup. Okay, whatever. We'll take that trade. Three is more than two. Then on the next position, Marjan gets an offensive rebound. The ball gets swung around to Brooke Lopez, who hits his second consecutive three-pointer. Now you, you see that Brooke Lopez is on fire. Three of the first four shots, uh, you add in a Javon Carter three. Three of the first four shots the Bucks made in this game were threes by Brooke Lopez. That was like, all right, Brooke's going to have a very good game. I have it written down in my notes. Brooke Lopez had three three three-pointers in three minutes, and that was it. Three threes, three minutes. Boom. (laughs) Um, Here's my next play I want to talk about. Uh, The Bobby Pump and Drive. He's been so good at it, and it's such an underrated part of his game. He had a really, really nice uh, pump fake, one dribble drive uh, to go up by 22 in this game. And I really just wanted to point out that I think that's the next level to his game. Um, he's a He's been a very good shooter out of the post, out of the corner three, out of the, the trail three-pointer. Uh, we talked about all that stuff. So now when you give the defense that thought of, oh, he might pump and get the rim, fishing, that would be the tough layup you give that defense a second option that counter move you know because people have been closing on him tough that makes him very very hard to guard um he has all the space in the world when he's on the floor with brooke lopez so nobody's really going to be crashing at him and if they are it's going to be a small guy uh bobby portis makes the bucks damn near unguardable when we're fully healthy bobby portis ability to pump and drive um, with Giannis's driving ability, Chris can pump and drive. Chris can just dribble, drive, find. Drew Holiday does it all. I mean, the Bucks are tough to stop. 
I don't even know where I would start. <laughs> because even and when you play the perfect defense, the Giannis does whatever. You get to the fact that not only that, but guys like George Hill and Wesley Matthews and Sergi yeah. Baca are contributing in limited minutes. Like, it gives me confidence that the Bucs could be playing, you know, a better team than the Thunder tonight and still have a solid chance to win. I expect the Bucs to beat the Thunder tonight, but, you know, say they were playing the Nets again. Like, I would still have confidence that without Drew and Giannis, that the Bucs could still win a game. It would be tough, obviously, but, mm-hmm. um, you know, I would still believe it to be possible with the contributions that they've been getting up and down the roster. True. So you brought up that Marjan got rewarded from the Timberwolves game that he played well in. He was rewarded with his first NBA start. And with putting Marjan in the starting lineup, um, Budenholzer wanted to get more size in the lineup, so he started Bobby Portis in place of Grayson Allen for this game. Um, and that's why they that's why they changed up the starting lineup a little bit just to get some more size back in the starting lineup with Giannis out. Um, I want to bring up that the third quarter belonged to Javon Carter. So Jake brought up that Shai Gilgis Alexander finished with 18 points. So did Javon Carter. Javon Carter mm-hmm. scored 12 points in the third quarter, and we posted on the page that we want to send a sincere thank you to Brooklyn for releasing him to pick up Goran Dragas last winter. Man, yes, seriously, thank you. <laughs> seriously. He finished 6 of 12, 5 of 9 on threes. Um, loved it from Javon Carter. And he hit one. He was, like, fading away to the side as the shot clock was expiring. That mm-hmm. goes in. He had two threes in the first minute of the third quarter. Yeah. So he, yeah, third quarter belonged to Javon Carter. Thunder cut the lead to 10 in the fourth quarter. Drew, Bobby, and Brooke opened it back up. Um, Drew Hawley didn't shoot well, but you brought up the 13 assists. Only three turnovers to go with those 13 assists, which is big. I'll take that. I'll take that. Um, The the Bucs did have 19 turnovers as a team. Um, It wasn't anybody that had, like, a ton of them. It was just, like, three, two, three, three, two one, two, um, kind of spread out among the whole team. So that's really just a, a team thing they need to get better and not turning the ball over so much. Um, that's where the big chunk of the fundamental failure points comes from this game. 20 points off turnovers for Oklahoma City, only nine second chance points and only two missed free throws for a total of 31. So they were underneath the average there. Um, and then, like I said, I mentioned Serge Ibaka, eight points, six rebounds, two assists off the bench. I, I will take that all day from our eighth guy off the bench without one of our or two of our starters and two important rotational guys playing in the game. So if you're looking at it in the future and your potential 12th guy off the bench can get you eight, six, and two in 13 minutes, I will take that all day, every day. And protect the rim. True, which, yeah, he did have a block shot in this game. All right, <clears throat> let's flip it over. Let's go to the matchup against the Hawks in Atlanta. Um, you pointed this one out, so I'm blaming you for jinxing it that this might be the bum that the Bucks lose this week. But I was, I was um, really hoping you wouldn't bring that up because I was not happy that I predicted it. <laughs> I was really pissed off. It's listen. It's a, a tale of two halves with this game. Honestly, mm-hmm. the Bucks scored 58 in the first half. The Hawks scored 52. Then you get to the second half. The Bucks scored 40, which they've done in quarters sometimes. Mm-hmm. They've scored 40 in the second half, and the Hawks scored 65. 
Um, really felt like the Bucks ran out of gas in this game. Looking at the way that they they shot, a lot of shots were short in the let, like the second half. Um, a lot of turnovers in the second half. It got sloppy. Um, it was four games in three days, or three games in four days. Sorry, not the other way around. Uh, three games in four days. So it just felt like the Bucks kind of ran out of gas on this one. Um, and then, not to mention, they were in three cities in four days as well, from going from Minnesota to Milwaukee to Atlanta. So. What did you see from this game that stood out to you? Well, the couple plays I wanted to talk about, and then I'm going to talk about something else real quick. Um, the Drew Holiday score after the Hawks were going on a really, really big run in the second half. Um, I like guys that are not afraid of the moment, and the Bucks have quite a few of them, to be honest with you. Uh, mm-hmm. Everybody knows that Chris is the number one option to be, this, to be the closer, to be the, the guy mm-hmm. that closes out a game. But we have a lot of capable guys. I mean, even Bobby Portis, I feel comfortable well, with him. Uh, Drew Holiday, Giannis, I feel very Brooke comfortable Lopez with him. You put Brooke him Lopez in the team, I feel, I feel confident that Brooke Lopez can get a bucket. To, at, yes. Um, I mean, there's just a ton of guys, that, and none of them are afraid to, to take the shot. Um, I wanted to point out that this score got us to 69. Nice. We got a, we got a stop, and then we scored again. And they took a timeout at 420. So I was like, oh, my God, <laughs> I have to talk about this. <laughs> um, I just wanted to point that out because it was funny. Um, and then the play two I wanted to talk about, I wanted to give some love to an opponent player. Um, you know, people see Wisco Fanatics. They assume that we just love and all those kind of teams, which we do because we love them. But I think A.J. Griffin for the Atlanta Hawks had a really, really good game. He, he, made, a, yeah. he made a lot, lot of tough shots, uh, yeah. made some and ones. Um, as annoying as it was because uh, I had to watch the, the Hawks broadcast and Trey Young is definitely a douchebag and I'm going to say that on camera. Do not care. Uh, Trey Young, you are a douchebag. Um, you wear sunglasses when you're sitting out a game for, for you know, just just because they wanted to give you a day off and you wore sunglasses. I'm kind of like, that guy is an insufferable douche. I'm sorry. Uh, but I – I did want to give love to AJ Griffin. Well, uh, his final yeah. stat line, um, he's a young guy working really hard. He had 24 points. He was 10 of 15, two of six from me on the arc. I mean, every time the Bucks seemed like they were going to go on a run, he seemed like the guy that was making a shot to kind of be like, not right. Uh, tonight's my night. So yeah. uh, the last thing I wanted to talk about real quick, real, real quick, the Atlanta bench played really, really fucking well in this game. Scored a lot of points. Obviously 24 yeah. from Griffin, 14 from – uh, Justin Holiday, 12 from Okongwu, which that was definitely over the back on that second dunk. Yeah, sure anybody says. Yep. Um, but this was our first loss of the season, sadly, and also Drew Holiday's first loss for brothers when they're on the same team. So two streaks died this day, which sucks, but it happens. It's just one. I'd like like we said, Taylor said it 81 and one now. Um, yes, sir. 81 and one or bust. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Giannis did destroy John Collins in this game again. Mm-hmm. Dunked all over him. Giannis owns John Collins. I it's it's disgusting. Giannis is so good. We didn't even bring it up in the Timberwolves game. The the back down. He did the lean back, and yeah. then he spun. You know, you caught a dude with his hand in the cookie jar when you spin, and the dude falls a step forward. You Jake. know you took that dude's ankles when that happens. 
the first thing you got to point out about that play is when he leaned back, he was smiling because he knew he had his ass. Oh, that's awesome. He was like, he said, I said, oh, shit. He must <laughs> he have felt the dude you. leaning on him. I bet he felt the dude leaning forward on him, and he knew yep. as soon as he spun that the dude was going to take that hard step forward and have to catch himself from falling. Again, what does that tell you about Giannis? Basketball IQ. Nobody oh, talks think- about it. Nobody talks about it, man. And more people need to talk about his basketball IQ because it's very people high. People are too busy calling him a bulldozer to actually pay attention to his game because they don't like that he doesn't shoot. It's- and I'm in a lot of Facebook groups. If I see one more goddamn person say that Luka's better than Giannis, I'm going to lose my shit. I love Luka Doncic. I absolutely love Luka. Luka is absolutely spectacular. It's Luka magic for a reason. The guy is phenomenal. It's fun to watch. He does not play the same level of defense. Not even close. Okay? That is where the conversation ends. Okay, yep. we could we could debate who's better on offense all day. Same thing yep. with Jokic. I just had a heated debate last week. Yep. You know, with a guy about Jokic versus Giannis, and we're throwing out nerd numbers and all this other stuff and blah blah blah. I'm like, okay, now show me, show me who the hell Jokic is night after night because you fucking can't. That is where the conversation ends, and people don't want to have that conversation. This is not like other sports. There's two sides of the court you have to be good at, and Giannis is good at both of them. Sorry, that's where the conversation ends. Yeah, he's. He's holding opponents, last I saw, was around like 30, 33% on field goals. Um, and Jokic and Luka were both above 50%. You cut out, what did you say? Um, I said the last time I looked, Giannis was holding opponents to 33% on field goals. And Jokic and Giannis were both, or Jokic and Luka were both above 50%. Yeah, come on. On opponent field goal percentage. Come on. Cut That's it out. A- 20% difference you're talking about on opponent field goals. Cut it, man. <laughs> Cut it out. <laughs> so, with the Bucks and the Hawks, like I said, a tale of two halves. Um, brought up Giannis did still destroy John Collins on a dunk. He also made seven of eight free throws, so it's good to see him back on track and, and just have a bounce back from the Oklahoma City game. Um, mm-hmm. Or the, sorry, the Minnesota game where he was 10 of 20. Um Drew Holiday had a good offensive bounce back. He was 7 for 14, um, 16 points, 6 rebounds, 7 assists. He did have 8 turnovers. Um, that's something that Drew Holiday is going to have once in a while, similar to his bad shooting games. He's going to have high turnover games once in a while. Chris Middleton's the same way. He's going to have some bad shooting games here and there. He's going to have you know a 4 for 15 night here and there. He's going to have some 6 or 7 turnover games too. He's also, mm-hmm. on the flip side, going to have some high assist games. He's going to have some high volume scoring games. It's going to happen. Um, you know, Giannis has seven for 20 games once in a while too. Not everybody is perfectly 100% consistent in this game. Um, being the game of basketball. So not everybody's perfect. We did get another Bobby Portis double, double. Um, we have to start calling him Mr. Double, double on top of being Bobby Portis. He had 11 and 10. Fucking A, bro. This is unfortunate. This is, I said, this game got sloppy. Um, 44 fundamental failure points. Mm. Only three missed free throws. So that's 41 points to add up between points off turnovers and second chance points for Atlanta. 22 points off turnovers, 19 second chance points. Ugh. Yeah, that's got to come down by like 10 each. <laughs> yeah, you're going to lose a lot of games doing that. <laughs> um, 
so yeah, that's where I'm at with the Bucks and the Hawks. Um, so we know they play tonight. They play the Thunder tonight. No Drew, no Giannis. Um, mm-hmm. Could be another another big Brook Lopez game. Maybe another double double for Bobby Portis. Definitely another double double for Bobby Portis. Yeah. You can see a little more Javon Carter, a little more George Hill, which I'm actually kind of looking forward to. Um, I like how he's played so far this season on both ends of the floor, honestly. Um, He's he looks like the 2020 version of George Hill that we had Mm -hmm. Um, that before, you know, the, the season was thrown into flux by COVID and everything. But so they play tonight against the Thunder. They play Friday night in San Antonio and then they play the Hawks again on Monday. And then they're done playing the Hawks for the year. So, I know, isn't that you know we play the Pistons <laughs> twice right away? Uh, this will be the last time we see the Thunder until maybe maybe the miraculously too. they make the finals. I mean, last time we play the Hawks until maybe the playoffs. I mean, the schedule yep. this year is weird. Uh, we yeah, it's do- like last year. We didn't play the Bulls last year until January fourth. Yeah, and they're in the they're in the Bucks division, so you play them four times, and not to see them until the third month of the season is weird. Right, right. I mean, they really strung those out. I mean, we played them earlier this year. I don't remember the exact date, but I know we have a couple games against the Cavs, like you said, coming up here pretty mm-hmm. soon. So, soon. yeah, I'm excited to see those Cavs Bucks games. I mean, even mm-hmm. without Chris, it'll be nice measuring stick because the Cavs are definitely really good. On the subject of schedules, I'm a little salty with the NBA. The season is long enough that you can schedule this shit and not have to have back to backs. You hate the load management. Fix it by scheduling better. The Bucks had a, a series this year where they went from um, a game on Saturday and they didn't play again until Wednesday. And then you they had a four, four days in between there. And then they play Wednesday, Friday, Saturday. Like, what the hell? And then they play the Monday after. So they play Friday, Saturday, Monday. Um, I mentioned it. They have one back-to-back in November, one in December, one in January, I think they have two in February, and then they have four back-to-backs in March. Yeah, yeah. But you That's... gave them a four-day break in at the end of October. At the first game of the season, too. So make it make sense. I agree yeah, with you. That's There's plenty of time to schedule it better, to not have back-to-backs, to cut down on some of the load management. Because when we get into the Cavs and the Bucks games, I want to see all of the players playing. I want to see Donovan Mitchell and Jared Allen and Giannis and Drew and Chris and everybody playing because they've had, you know, a day off in between games or two days off in between games. You can do it because I've already seen like Cavaliers fans come out of the woodwork. I don't know where they come from, but when the Cavs are good, then they show back up and they're like, Oh, Cavs are going to compete with the bucks this year. And it's like, pump the brakes. They haven't played each other yet. And you know, if the Cavaliers play the bucks without Giannis drew Chris or any combination of the three, or even without Brooke Lopez, who's going to matter in that game because the Cavaliers are one of the only teams that can match the Bucks in the NBA for size because of Mobley and Allen, um, mm-hmm. and then Kevin Love. As soon as the Bucks lose a game, whether they're missing players, any combination of them, to the Cavaliers, mm-hmm. it's going to be like, oh, it's the Cavaliers' year to win the East. And it's... Yeah. That's, that's just how overreactions work. Um, I, I think that's how bandwagoning works, that as soon as you beat a team in the regular season that you think that that's automatically how the postseason is going to go. I wasn't going to say this on camera, but I said this to one of our buddies the other day. I was talking to Alex, and I told Alex, I said, I'm going to tell you right goddamn now, if the Bucks play the Cavaliers in the fucking playoffs, 
Spider, who I love, is not guarding Chris Middleton. It ain't happening. No. Four inch four inches is a lot to give up. And then you have the best downhill runner of all time in sports in Giannis because of the variety of ways he could finish. I think Shaq would have been amazing in this era. But um Giannis's ability to come off of that and just be a bulldozer off of that pick and roll makes it impossible for the Cavaliers to guard with a guy who's six four. I'm sorry, it's not happening. Yeah. Chris Middleton and, will be the reason that we win that series. And Drew Holiday can definitely guard Spider Mitchell. Yeah. I mean, Drew Holiday will be better on Donovan Mitchell than Jamal Murray would. Yep. I'll agree with that. I'll agree with that. Um, and the size difference isn't, isn't a lot for Drew to overcome with that matchup, kind of like a Kevin right. Durant, where he still right. bothers Kevin Durant just because of his pure yep. strength. Yep. Him matching up against Donovan Mitchell. That'd whew, be fun to watch. Hell yeah. Sign me up for that. <laughs> I, yeah, I would love that. I'd love to see the Bucks play the Cavaliers and to see them play a Bulls in the series again. Uh, and I will say that Mobley is going to be good. He's going to be good, mm-hmm. but he's not on Giannis's level yet. He, and I agree. I mean, we were talking about people that can guard Giannis. I think eventually yeah. he could be a guy that could be there. But right he now, is eventually there. The 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 physicality of Giannis. And the speed in which he does that physicality, got to be eye-opening for a guy with a tiny little bird chest. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> in his second year in the league. Yeah. Uh, he, he ain't big enough right now. Yeah. He puts a little bit more meat on and still keeps that quickness. I mean, he has great length and he has great timing. So, yeah. that'll definitely be something to watch. But, yeah, sure. Giannis will – he fucking murders everybody, dude. He re- <laughs> He's ridiculous. I just, you know, and that video, oh God, now you got me talking. That video of him talking about staying humble is the funniest shit I think I've ever seen. <laughs> it is. Dude, when he's like, I can't, he said, I can't have everything. He said, I can't be handsome, beautiful kids, beautiful white, great teammates, great coach. Euro step. Yeah. And then he goes, handsome. And he says, handsome the second time. I lost it. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like this bastard. He says, I cannot shoot threes. God said, stay humble, my guy. Can't shoot threes. <laughs> I loved it when he said Yoda step. I went, I he give me Yoda step. I dunk. He Dunking just, on oh, people. That's the best. Man. That was a great video. If <laughs> if you could take a video and be like a person that never watched basketball before in their lives, right? And you had to show somebody's personality, I would show that video of Giannis, and then I would show a video of him absolutely destroying humans, dunking on them. I'd be like, this was Giannis at Anacumbo, and he was awesome. And then you could show him a post game and Giannis being like talking about you know the the past that's your ego the future that's mm-hmm. your pride and so he lives in the now like we jake and i have said it but we we need to appreciate that we are literally witnessing greatness as it's happening and this will be something Giannis is going to be a player that is talked about for generations i'm 110 percent positive of that you know the thing i was talking to my coworker today the thing i said about Giannis is he balances out Aaron Rodgers, because of all, and and I'm not saying anything bad about Aaron, but all the negative news that Wisconsin sports fans get from Aaron Rodgers, he's this, he's egotistical, he's arrogant, Mm -hmm. blah, 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 whatever goddamn narrative you want to run with that's negative. They don't say many bad things about Giannis. So Giannis is that yin to yang to to Rodgers in terms of sports news, in my opinion. Sure. But the best thing about Giannis, he's in opposing players' heads before the game even starts. Combine that with his game, brutal. And I 100% 100 agree, Bill. Knowing that you're playing Giannis that night has got to be a little intimidating. 
or a lot intimidating. You you strap up because you know you about to go into. You gotta war. get the you gotta get the spandex under your jersey that's got the pads on it. Yes, you you know you're <laughs> like about a, to take a, a beating. You gotta you get a guy walking through and it's like, oh, you're playing Giannis tonight, aren't you? <laughs> and you know what, Bill? That's a great point. I talked earlier about Braylon Allen taking the beating in the game. But I didn't mention that he's also giving a beating to the defense. And that goes for Giannis. We give him credit for his toughness, you know, rightfully so, in a seven-game series where he's just falling and falling and falling. But you know what? Those guys that are 6'8", that have to just constantly just get hit in the chest by those big shoulders and those elbows, that shit's got to add up, man. Oh, yeah. I can't imagine that feels good, you know, when you're right. getting it for the 150th time in a game seven in the third quarter. Like, and Jesus, dude, just break just them already. Great muscle. Dude, like, he's a Greek how's god. How does it feel literally. to just get like hit by a seven foot sledgehammer for forty eight minutes? I'm just gonna be honest. I'm not signing up for that, so I do not know. <laughs> <laughs> signing up for that. All right, give me your power pair for the Bucks for the week. All right, my power pair. Well, first one, Bobby. I went with Bobby. He had a really great week. He was one point away from having four. Sh- or oh, he didn't get two rebounds. I lied. So he he did a great job rebounding. He had nine and 10, 18 and eight with five assists. He had 12 and 21 and then 11 and 10. So all around, he made big time shots, big time plays. People chanted his name on the road. So, I mean, that's just enough of a reason for me to put him on the list. And then my second guy, I went with Marjan. Now, right. he, he didn't have great numbers. I mean, in his first start, he didn't make a shot. He was he was rough that day. But I appreciate I me mean, because he had a great game against Minnesota. Mm-hmm. I love that he just stepped up. Again, this is a this is a call out to the team. Everybody on the team takes big time shots. Is not afraid of the lights. Yes. And I wanted to point out our point that we talked about before the season, where his locker is in the locker room. If you mm-hmm. forgot, he is yep. in between Giannis and Drew Holiday. And Drew. Yep, having that mentality, and we saw him on draft day where he just he he, he appreciated the moment, and that's something that's beautiful to see in sports. Because you don't see that enough. You don't hear about that enough. So a guy that loves the game and is next to another guy that loves the game, love it. Bill, you have a great night. Bucks in six, baby. So I also have Bobby Portis. Um, he averaged just under 13 points a game and 12 rebounds. Um, he was the rally killer in Minnesota. That's one of the reasons I have him on my list. And you talked about Bobby Portis being able to score in multiple ways. I wanted to, and you, and I'm glad you brought that up because I have it written down, that Bobby Portis took things from the Boston series about how they defended him and applied that to his game in the offseason. That's where that catch, dribble, pull-up, and that fadeaway that he hit over Carl Anthony Towns and driving to the basket, that's where that stuff comes from. Bobby Portis knew that. He took that into account in his offseason work to improve as a player. So I want to give Bobby Portis credit for that. My second one is Brooke Lopez. I had to pull up the the stats Mm. from the Studs and Duds article that I wrote. He averaged 14.5 points a game over the last week. Mm -hmm. He was the leading scorer in the Oklahoma City game. Did you know that Brooke Lopez has at least one block in every single game so far this season? You you went out again, so tell me again. What was that? Did you know that Brooke Lopez has at least one block in every single game this season? I did not. That is a great stat, though. Okay, and I had to pull this up. So, Brooke Lopez is the leader in contested shots 
in the NBA. Mm -hmm. He has contested 11 more shots than the number two player, which is Ivisa Zubac from the Los Angeles Clippers. Mm -hmm. And getting into um, contested two-pointers, Brooke has contested 20 more than Zubac. Wow. 152 to 132. And he's played one fewer game. Oh, my God. That is actually impressive. That is impressive. Also leads the NBA in blocks at two and a half per game. Yes, sir. Dude, he is telling you, man. So he he is Splash Mountain and Smash Mountain. And Dirk he's, Lopez. He's he, he's Brooke Lopez. That's how I'm gonna leave it at. Um I, I put in my article, I said call him smash, call him splash, call him both, whatever you call him, call him a stud. Yes, sir. He hey, that was a very good sentence, by the way. Um he's good, he's a very good player. I'm gonna go back to Matt's comment earlier. I don't think he's gonna make the, the all-star team. I think it'll be close. But I don't think so. I don't see centers, it. Centers in the East. They like, took away. They Dan took away. Pretty much a lock. They took away center though. It's like forwards now, isn't it? Oh, it's it's all front court and back court. Yeah, that's why it's kind of like because Giannis is taking up one of the spots. Bam's right. probably taking up one of the spots. KD, um, KD, Jason Tatum's a front court player. Yeah, that's four or five right there. Yeah, probably gonna have to be probably gonna have to be what. Eight. I'd throw Bam in there. That's five. Mm-hmm. If Chris makes it, he's a forward technically. Yeah. Pascal Siakam is going to be one. Yeah. That's seven. So you're looking at one spot. That's tough. That's tough. Yeah. Because it could be like Jared Allen is a guy that could sneak in there. Yeah. Eastern Conference. I'm not saying he doesn't deserve it for the way that he's played so far this year because he's had some big moments. I mean, games. if we get to February and he's still leading the NBA in blocks and averaging 14 points and six rebounds and hitting 37% on threes like he is now, like I don't, I don't know how he doesn't get some votes. I agree with that. And there, there is a coach's pick, you know, for True. players to make it. True. And stuff. That's how so, Chris got in last year. He was yeah, the coach's so, pick. I mean, think about it that way, I guess. But um, I could definitely see Drew making it uh, at this point. Yep. Um, if he if he continues where he's going, Giannis is already in the All Star game. He's yeah, he's <laughs> going to be the top two vote getters. Yeah, him and KD uh, will yep. be the top two. Uh, yep. Tatum will be up there. Tatum will be in the top three, I believe. Donovan Mitchell will be up there as well. Um, that's probably your top four, really. Right. Um, and after that, I mean, Darius Garland will make it. Donovan Mitchell, you know, we already talked about him. Drew. Yeah, we'll, see if, we'll see if Jalen Brunson turns it up. Kyle uh, Lowry is in the mix. Is as it is. For sure. So, it'll be interesting. I could definitely see three, maybe four. That's a big maybe, though. Yeah. Well, I mean, if well, the Hawks can put five in, the Bucks can do four. That's fair. <laughs> that's fair. <laughs> that's fair. All right. Is there anything else you want to throw out about Bucks basketball? Uh, no, sir. Um, this was a. I liked it. I kind of like this format a little bit better, uh, where we talk about uh, plays. I see plays. Yeah, I think uh, I think we diagnose it a little bit better that way. Sure. I think we get to get a little more in depth on some of the stuff that stood out to us as well. So, mm-hmm. um, well, we got a Badger game on Saturday. 
We got three Badger basketball games between now and next Wednesday, and three Bucks basketball games between now and next Wednesday. We will also be live on Friday night with Bryant. Um, Simon is off this week; he's got some work stuff, so it'll be just be Jake, myself, and Bryant on Friday night for the Packers show, yep. um, starting at eight o'clock. So, if you want to hear us talk about the Packers as well, check us out on Friday night. Um, thank you, everybody, for for watching and commenting along. And um, other than that, I will see you on Friday. I uh, also want to give a birthday shout out to my dad. Happy birthday, dad. I love you very much. Um, hope you had a great day and uh, bucks and six, baby. Yeah, it was my dad's birthday yesterday, too. So it was cool that my dad was watching today, especially with all the family stuff going on. So hopefully my dad got a little uh, a little break from from stuff and get to listen to some sports talk for a little while. That's that's what sports is for, in my opinion. Yeah. And, reality. you know. When it comes to when it comes to takeaways and stuff, Jake and I want to keep it positive, and uh, hopefully we can put that influence into people's lives and not just sports. So, agreed. Have a good night, Jeff. Jake, I will see you on Friday night. Yes, sir.